0: Can we talk about horses?
1: No. No. (laughs) No, Give me your hot dog soup. (laughs) You know the rules. There are three rules to our talking group. (laughs) Uh, Never wear sneakers.
0: No one talks about talking group. Wait, that's a different movie. Mm
1: -hmm. And we make soap.
0: And we make soap. Okay, and when we have crushed two movies into one, but I would absolutely
2: watch that movie, unsurprising <laughs> to anybody who's listened to the show more than once. <laughs>
0: and within 10 seconds, I violate the Fincher rule.
1: Which one is Tyler and which one's the narrator?
2: Now, this is a very good question. Okay, hold on. I can... <laughs> all right, well, obviously... Obviously, Jamie Dornan is Marla Singer. I think that goes yes. without saying. Yes, yes. Um, so does
1: that make Star?
2: I think... Edward Norton? is does that, that make well, her Tyler? B- but does that make... Uh, Barb, that? where does that leave Barb?
1: Barb is very much the id, right? I mean, the way the movie kind of...
2: That's okay, good point. But then we've got... This... I don't know,
1: they both kind of give in... No. Okay, okay. They're both <laughs> Tyler I
2: and mean... the narrator. And, and really, aren't we all... Arthur, don't we all have a barb
0: and star raging inside of us? <laughs> Hello everybody and welcome again to the Good Trash Honor cast where we turn movies into other movies or discuss the movies you'll never discuss in a film space course. We'll decide which one of those things we do today. I'm still Dustin. I'm still Arthur. I'm still Dalton and I sure hope you're ready to get culott pilled listener. We're going to have a good time talking culottes and many other things. Uh, I want to say this uh, at the outset. This is an analysis show, not a review show. This is a 2020. Twenty one film and we are going to spoil the ending of what was basically an SNL comedy but that might be something you care about and if you do care about that we're going to Give you a bit of a reprieve from that if you're listening to the show and trying to decide whether or not you're gonna watch Barb and Star visit Delmar. Go to Vista Del Go Mar. to go to Vista.
2: And I think we'll probably hold on to things like uh, gags and comedic set pieces we really dig. Like I don't you know, I'm not gonna spoil that for anybody. That's right. part of the joy of this movie, but come come around the halfway mark of this show. We're gonna start quoting the movie and referencing things that make us laugh really hard, probably.
0: And so if you're keeping track at home, this is what it's gonna look like. Synopsis, spoiler free, uh, thumbs up, thumbs down reviews. Very spoiler-gentle, like you would read on a review. Then we're going to do a little mental exercise called Expanding the Syllabus, which might involve the gentlest of spoilers as well, but probably more likely spooling other films that surround the orbit of this film. And then we'll get down to business with kicking Music to let you know that that's happening. Mm-hmm. And once that happens, all spoiler bets are off. They're
2: done, because we've gotten to the treasure, and we've, we've gotten our treasure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's a yeah. the treasure at the bottom of that ginormous punch bowl.
2: And Boobies. Well, and we might be making our way to a Celine Dion a techno remix. Oh God, yes, <laughs> um, and maybe going to the same hotel room. So I'm not here to make
0: judgments, <laughs> so you've been warned <laughs> in many ways. And if you don't feel a certain sense of apprehension, dear listener, um, I don't know, <laughs> Arthur. <laughs> we're gonna have a good time tonight, Arthur. Can we hear a synopsis, please? Barbon Star.
1: Two Midwestern midlifers and best friends have their world turned upside down. In an attempt to regain their shimmer, the friends leave their small Nebraska town for a magical getaway in a paradise of Tommy Bahamas and Collats. Vista Del Mar.
0: True... True. So there you go. That is the movie. Let's talk review. Let's just talk about experience. Do we like the movie? Does it work? What is it trying to do? I guess maybe might be one of those questions. And if so, does it accomplish its feat? So I go to you first, Arthur. Does Barb and Star Go to Visit Del Mar work? That's a weird title. I'm it's you a good love title. It. You know you love it. it, it you it's a good You keep wanting title. to shorten the name of this town, and fictional
2: town in Florida. As uh, part of the problem, it's Vista Del Mar. They're not visiting Del Go Mar. Go to
0: visit. Go to visit. Yeah. Yeah. Easy.
2: You speak more Spanish than me. You should be <laughs> having an easy time with this. Ah, words. <laughs> words are hard. to
1: the swordfish.
2: <laughs> oh, I did actually uh, Postmates some fried eagle babies, uh, some fried bald eagle babies. To, so that might interrupt the recording. I, I
0: want the veal stuffed manatee. <laughs> That's what's affecting my brain, I think, right now, is I've had too much of it. And there's <laughs> too much veal stuffed manatee. Too much veal stuffed manatee.
1: Um, I, I, I really dig this movie uh, quite a bit. It is um absurdist in all the best ways. It, it is a movie that really throws caution to the wind. And just really throws every weird odd bizarre thing against the wall that it can um and uh, is you know ripe with uh double entendre it's really sharply written uh, i and I can appreciate that it never really devolves into raunch or grossness uh you know I think that's appropriate While for some still comedies. feeling
2: like pretty sex positive oh yeah too. very yeah
1: very yeah um yeah. and so i I find that very encouraging because I, I think it's a very smartly written comedy uh in that regard uh I, I love Kristen Wiig so much I, I think she's wonderful and incredible uh so I really dig her here um her Barb who I what's her name Annie Mumolo there it is uh I'm not as familiar with her I think I've seen her in some stuff know the name but like you know she, she doesn't have that kind of Kristen Wig status right she's Got a, a co nomination for an Academy Award with Bridesmaids. Um, I think she's done some other movie stuff. Yeah, but, I think
2: prior to this, I mean, Kristen Wiig's writing partner slash Bud is is kind of her, her standard, credit. But yeah. obviously, I, I, I will not obviously. I certainly hope this movie opens some more um, non Kristen Wiig work for her.
1: Yeah, and you kind of hopefully you know see kind of what the reception is. Obviously, in, in light of the pandemic, this got a failed theatrical release, went straight to video on demand this year. Um, which really sets it up, though, as a cult film. Mm. I think, you know, I, I read just a headline about how it's already being primed as a cult film, and it's very obvious. This yeah, is, this is a much like Pop Star, uh, a movie that was very underseen, but really confined Second Life in that play, playing ground of the cult film status. Uh, I, I dig it. I, I think it's super funny. The, the bits work. Um, you know, they're throwing so much against the wall that some of the stuff doesn't hit, but a lot of it lands for me. Uh, the opening bit where they're... Uh, doing the little uh, choreographed dance uh, to Shania Twain, kind of intermixed with the conversation that they're having on the couch of just the most absurdest stuff. Um, their whole uh, character approach to life and, and and their small town and their dedication to one another is admirable. Uh, it's just it's joyful and funny. Um, makes zero sense. Uh, is completely off the walls. Um, I, we were talking off air, and I, I liken it to if... if you're a familiar or a fan of those '90s and early aughts SNL type movies, or those weird character things that Will Ferrell was doing—Anchorman, Talladega Nights, or or the stuff of Adam Sandler or mm-hmm. Mike Myers. Uh,
2: These comedic films that present yeah. you with a character and say well, you should have already know who this character yeah. is. I don't need to explain who they yeah. are. Yeah,
1: uh, it really fills in that same vein, mm-hmm. uh, but then I think it takes the absurdity of that to another level. Um, some of those movies, you know, Austin Powers obviously kind of plays in satire and parody of James Bond. Um, uh, but a lot of those, you know, Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, Anchorman, they're pretty straightforward. Anchorman's a little more absurdist. Yeah, I'd that, say. I think that's probably a little all closer ones <clears throat> to what we're doing here.
2: I think, tonally, yeah, of every, all the films you just mentioned, yeah. I think it's the only one that kind of comes close. I mean,
1: because you have stuff like the, uh, the Anchorman brawl and things like that, which yeah. are just bizarre. the Pleasure Town you know? sequence. Yeah.
2: yeah, there's just some like kind of weird, uh, Non sequitur moments in that film. Yeah. We're, we're good.
1: And I, I'd say this kind of ramps that up even further. Mm. Um but at the heart there is kind of a straightforward or a straight through narrative, and I think that all works. It's all fun. Uh it, it's an experience uh I enjoyed and one I'd like to go through again. Uh some great comedy music. I'm a sucker for a good comedy music song. Uh and this has two very good ones. Edgar's Prayer is incredible. Uh just <laughs> insane. I love it. Um so that that got me right away, and then some other bits that happened here and there uh, really worked for me. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of uh, Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar.
0: Very good, very good. Thank you very much, Mr. Arthur Gordon. What do you say about Barb and Star there, Dalton?
2: I have been uh, waving the flag for this film since February when it hit uh, video on demand. Um, I was lucky enough to get to watch it with some folks uh, in a uh, you know, via the internet, of course. Uh, but man, it, it's just a really fun movie, and, and one that <clears throat> definitely would have had a... Uh, been a great time if it had gotten the summer release that it had originally been planned for it uh but yeah I, I'm, I'm gonna echo a lot of what arthur's already said but barb and star asks the question i don't know what if uh austin powers starred laverne and shirley um and if that is a question that appeals to you you should see this movie immediately and stop wasting my time um bill i think is bill jabiri uh That uh, had that headline you mentioned. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's Vulture. I don't know who he's writing for. I think Vulture's right. It's Bilge. But I think he's absolutely right. Like, this is a movie that, even if it had gotten a theatrical release, I'd probably done okay. I would have, I mean, it'd been great if it had been a bridesmaid size, like, mega hit. But, you know, this is a film that I think, even without its sort of release issues, probably was going to find some sort of of cult following just because it is, as, as you've already said, so committed to uh absurdism which I, I feel like we've really lost in comedy especially like studio comedies over the last 10 years i'm not gonna like lay that squarely at the feet of judd apatow but like well, that's a big uh, part of it yeah well you yeah you kind of you, i was guilty a, a little bit yeah it is exactly part of it right i, I think there's this impulse <clears throat> sometimes to you know obviously the entertainment industry in this country like has a tendency to devalue comedy but I, I think even within the industry of comedy, there's a tendency to devalue it and say, like, this isn't important or worthwhile, and so we should, like, make it about turning 40 or, I don't know, something Dustin has to deal with. Um, <laughs> and, and 10 years I will be dealing with, and Dustin will be laughing at me. Um, but, but again, you know, I like... <laughs> Joke's on you, sucker. you are got to age so much faster. Oh, oh, yeah. I've been exposed to plastic so much longer than you have, probably. Or <laughs> cell phone radiation. For, like, oh, I saw it invented. Wow, s- oh, that's true. You were there for it. You should have said something probably <laughs> about you know don't do that don't D- didn't they didn't you say something about the seagull on the tire you didn't <laughs> want them anyway um yeah i i just really adore this movie um i'm very glad uh it was selected for us it's not often we get to talk about new releases on this show uh and it's it is just one string of jokes after another uh the the other film that was on the plate from our uh, our patron um who is my wife uh let's just get that out of the way um Could be selecting movies on the show for free. Very nice of her to not do that. Uh, The other option was airplane, and I think this movie is definitely in that like coaching tree, comedically speaking. Just in terms of being a water a fire hose of jokes, just nonstop. And as Arthur said, yeah, there's some misses. Like I think the the Morgan Freeman bit is like about ten years too late. I think it's fine, uh, other than him. I think it incredibly works. A gross creep uh, turned out, you know, much to my chagrin. uh, Thinking about Zewatneho. Um anyway, uh, but yeah, for every joke that is kind of a oh that's all right. There's three or four that are I uh, just deliriously funny to me. Uh we haven't even talked about uh Kristen wigg's double role yet, um which I did not know going into this film was going to be an aspect of it. I don't I don't think a lot of people did. Um Sharon Gordon Fisherman by the way as that second character saying, mm-hmm. which is just an, a really Really good character name. Uh, also, uh, Darley Buckle Buncle is a, a character name that I just think about all the time now. Just absolutely incredible.
1: <laughs> I didn't mention Damon Wayans, Steals
2: Jr. To, to yeah, be, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: uh, just absolutely that the bit of him constantly revealing more information and getting flustered, just
2: being so bad at espionage, and then yeah. shows
1: up with the uh, the spy glasses on and
2: the bikini mm. shirt. So mm. good. Um, I, look, you are either on this movie's wavelength or you're not, and and I think that's I'm just I'm gonna stop babbling about how much I like and kind of cut to the chase. You will know within 15 minutes if this movie is mm-hmm. your deal, right? As soon as uh, and we'll talk about sort of the kind of messy trope stuff with the villain of this film, but as soon as Kristen Wig and albino face appears, which you know, I got problems with, but we'll get to that, and has a nefarious soda fountain uh, in her evil villain's lair. Uh, and then we cut to, as Arthur, you've already mentioned, the uh, the Shania Twain, like, hand-dancing uh, intro of Barb and Star at Work, like, all the way up to the plane ride to Vista Del Mar. Like, it's just, like, 15 or 20 minutes of nonstop jokes, nonstop good premises, and each one, like, completely lands. Like, and it, it's funny to, like get to look at interviews of of the writing of this film and find out that it's just Annie Mumolo and Kristen Wiig doing voices at each other and just like riffing and writing down the best stuff, which is, that's just charming. You know, I just like hearing about that kind of stuff. It makes me feel good. Um, makes me like still care about people when they're making movies, even if they're, uh, I don't know, absurdly rich. Uh, And, you know, I I think there's some interesting class stuff here, maybe, just as far as who gets to go on vacation and what vacations look like. But eh, we can get into that later. For right now, the movie's fun as heck. uh, You should watch it immediately. It's on Hulu. So, like, you know, basically everybody has that, as far as I can tell. Uh, The Walt Disney Company will not let you not watch Barb and Star, actually. If you've watched uh, WandaVision, you're contractually obligated uh, to watch Barb and Star. If you look at your Disney Plus, like, a subscriber agreement. Um, Yeah, it's a good movie. You should watch it, and hopefully we'll find interesting and insightful things to say about it.
0: All right, thank you very much for that, Mr. Donald I would also say, what a delightful, charming little movie. It's very fun. I enjoyed it. Did you feel like your soul was douched? I, I do feel cleansed in places that I forgot I had. Did you did it meet your is it six laughs? I always forget. Uh, it did meet my six laughs. It changes rule.
1: it depending on the movie. Uh, yeah, he's always moving the goalposts.
0: <laughs> yeah, well you know the standards have got to change here and there. It did meet the six laugh rule, and um, I gotta say, I came in the movie, and I think we've discussed this before, and Dalton may have mentioned this a moment ago, but I know we talked about it off air that um, I did not know what kind of movie I was in for, mm-hmm. and I don't so think anybody did in the first five minutes when a little boy goes inside a tree into uh, a. Sea Secret layer, labeled layer, changes from a
2: little boy costume into a henchman costume. A henchman
0: costume, very, very odd job esque. Oh, for sure. You know, yeah. Uh, and then I realized we are doing something altogether different. And I was there for it. It was fine. It was fun. Uh Callbacks to jokes worked uh The jokes are all funny they 're not super duper memorable. I mean, I watched this on Saturday. We were recording now on a Monday, and there is a little fuzziness already. In in my mind, so I think there's a certain disposability, but that's what this kind of cinema is really as well. Well,
2: and, and I think this is the kind of movie that you know makes its makes its bread and butter on rewatch, right? right. Like mm-hmm. you
0: you are so inundated with
2: jokes that none of them are going to stick
0: on. First right, watch. I think it, I
2: think that's probably true. And it's it's to the movie's credit, I think. And I, I'm I'm not totally disagreeing with you. I think that you know.
0: Well, I think Monty Python and the Holy Grail does the same kind of thing. I don't think anybody sure. on the first watch of Monty Python is immediately walking out and doing yeah. the no, no. All the it takes a the, lot of
2: bong smoke and a lot. Lot of dorm nights for right. people to like quote that movie yeah. at you until eventually there's just a generation of ten year olds yelling that movie right, at each right. other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: and, and, and you no. know, and I want veal Stuff manatee. You know, yeah. or someday, whatever. someday, yeah. uh, hopefully.
2: Yeah. But I again, to to just kind of I don't know, give the movie a high five. I think that that re- preserves rewatch. Right I, to I, have that many jokes and just make it impossible to really internalize many of them. Uh, you know, it gives you that feeling of I've totally forgot about this bit. Right, which there's a couple of. Most of Dar- uh, Darley Buckle's bits I'd kind of forgotten about from my first watch. And so, so I really just got to be, I like Damian Wayans Jr. a lot anyway. Mm-hmm. I think he's uh, one of the best things on that show, Happy Endings. Uh, he's just incredible. You know, obviously the whole family's very talented, but he, he is so good in this movie with basically nothing to do. He's right. like, well, I got four scenes and at least a couple of them are mostly voiceover. Uh, anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to Boop. derail you. Oh, uh, Damon Weiss Jr. Like, oh, yeah. Just yeah. Not having Buckley. a lot to do but, and just making a meal out of every
0: scene. Yep. Absolutely. But, yeah, it, it's very funny. It, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a hoot and a holler. And, uh, it, it, you know, I don't know what else you want from this. I, it, it's, it's as good as Dumb and Dumber, which is kind of what it is. Right. Sure. Okay. You know, I mean, it. you know, one of those kinds of movies, the somewhat naive or oblivious characters arriving into a situation that's sort of beyond their understanding or control. It's got it's got vibes from Tommy Boy working with it as well. If you want to go into SNL kind of comedy and uh, but but in a different situation with different actresses and uh, doing different kinds of things, it's got those, you know, Austin Powers kind of obvious, obvious connections as well and those movies all work and this movie works as well it's doing it doing exactly what it intends to do and doing it well so i've i've nothing really negative to say about it. we're gonna nitpick and we're gonna talk about ideology and all kinds of things like that i'm sure oh, as we'll we talk get, about things it does right though right and, and, and we'll, i'm sure yeah, yeah. And, but when we get into analysis you know there's gonna be anything it comes out of you know commercial industrialized um artistic product there's going to be problems but that all being said as far as what it is as a piece of entertainment yeah well done good job so uh, there you go dear listener our thoughts are generally pro regarding barb and star let's move on to our little thought exercise we like to call expanding the syllabus and so um arthur can you tell us what that's all about <sighs> oh out of the
2: hot seat
1: Expanding the syllabus is a thought experiment wherein we, the hosts, assemble an academic course or module within a course based around the assigned viewing for the week and adjacent texts, from books and articles to tangentially related films and stories. He has got your number. Right,
2: right. How do you understand that, Dalton? Well, how I understand it (laughs) is we we enter the the Thunderdome with a film that uh, shouts at us, I shouldn't be taken seriously as an academic test, and we rip our shirts off and say, no seagulls in, in a group can you hear my prayer i want to talk about this movie like it's serious and means something
0: this is not heaven this is hell very yes, good yes. <laughs> and, 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 and yes of course all films are about how we're living in purgatory currently right um and as pg-13 john paul sart says heck is other people moving right along um, I saw that joke the other day in a comic book and it made me laugh very hard. It's pretty good. Nonetheless. Um, so Dalton, you yes. have a syllabus prepared. Mm. Let's hear what that syllabus is. Uh, so this would be a class focused on COVID-19, uh,
2: and its impact on film and the potential twilight of casual movie going. Uh, and, and I think talking about Barb and Star as a, a product of a very weird time is, is useful, right? As far as just looking at what films came out in the the class of 2020 and 2021 sort of a nebulous 24 month period of film releases and again obviously in a class where we're talking about the media of the pandemic we're going to talk about like what a nightmare it's been uh for everyone. You, that is appropriate context for discussing anything, you know. It, that's sort of our whole deal on this show is setting films in their context and I, I think Barb and Starr and again literally anything else that's come out since you know February of 2020 you do have to talk in talk about in the context of I, what nobody knows the movies are gonna look like nobody knows if you know we've had multiple smaller chains go bankrupt in the last year uh, and so we'll talk about that you know we'll talk about the the pivot to streaming we'll talk about the HBO Max deal and how, you know how they pissed off uh, Chris Nolan and um Denis Villeneuve and you know all, all the stuff going on with that we'll talk about uh, Scarlett Johansson's lawsuit against Disney um we'll talk about how for the first time since uh, at least 07 I think I, that was as far as I back as I could find uh this is the first year 2020 I mean uh, it was the first time that a non-American film was uh, at the top of the global box office um was it ever hold on give me a second Yeah, okay, no, Is ever, as far as I was able to find. It was the first time since 07 that the top global grocer did less than a billion dollars. So, again, like, uh, it's a 15-year first. Uh, I think that stuff's really interesting. I think talking about, you know, how companies stopped reporting their box office numbers, companies dumping movies they'd had on the shelves for two or three years. The War with Grandpa was a movie that just sat on a shelf for 18 months, and they are like, well... I guess we can uh, get rid of this De Niro-shaped turd now. Uh, (laughs) No offense to him and that little kid. Uh, I don't know. I just think it's an interesting year to study. And then I think they're specific films that we can look at, obviously, other than Barb and Star. Uh, I think we'll look at this film, The 800, uh, which is a Chinese World War II drama. It was, for a moment, the highest-grossing film of last year until it was surpassed by an anime film called, oh, I wrote down somewhere, Dragon Slayer, Mugen Train, uh, or Infinity Train, which did uh, 500 mil. Uh, so it just, I think, within a few months of us talking, crossed. And that's, that's part of the other weird thing. They're still looking at box office for 2020 because... So many 2020 movies are still in theaters. Um, we'll also talk about Bad Boys 3, which we've already discussed on this show. Uh, I think it's interesting just in terms of like what was doing well before movie theaters shut down. Uh, we'll talk about Wonder in 84, because that was sort of the worm that turned everything, right? It, it was Warner Brothers announcing, this is hitting HBO uh, Christmas Day, enjoy. That sort of, as I can recall, um, that, that was the moment everybody was like, all right, well, I guess we're going to start putting stuff out. Um, obviously, there were other ones. You know, I think Palm Springs was originally going to have a theatrical release, and then Hulu picked it up when yeah. theaters started shutting down.
1: And Pixar released Soul.
2: Yeah, um, I think we'll talk about some films that came out this Move year on. that were right. in production last year. We'll probably talk about stuff like uh, The White Lotus, the HBO show, where they uh, just basically called up Mike White and said, oh, "You got a mini series that uh, can take place in Hawaii." Uh, we'll talk about Shyamalan's Old, which you know, again, he just bought out a hotel in the the DR, and that was. What kept that hotel afloat? And uh, you know that that was their bubble was the staff of this hotel in the Dominican Republic and uh, the cast and crew of old. Uh, but yeah, I watched this movie Plan B, which is really good. Um, the reason I bring it up: uh, COVID P. They were just COVID PAs, and that sucks. I'm so sorry to the production assistants everywhere uh, who are now basically healthcare workers on movie sets. That sucks. And we have to talk about that. We have to talk about the weird labor stuff that has gone on in the entertainment industry the last 18 months. And I think the last thing that we would probably talk about is Bo Burnham's Inside. I think that is really interesting in that it is examining what I've just been blathering on about, which is this sort of weird spot we've been in uh, over the last five years that's kind of come to a head because of the pandemic, where media has just sort of reached a weird singularity, right? Like parasocial relationships, movies, TikToks, it's all sort of slowly becoming one untanglable knot and i think that's interesting i don't know if it it's necessarily good um i think uh the the stand-up special question mark <laughs> inside would t- say no it's probably a net bad um but I, it's a very at the very least a question worth examining you know it's worth looking at and you know i think this would be a class that's less uh movie and you know media focused so obviously there's things we're gonna talk about and watch but i, I think it really will be a uh it would be a uh, recent history class, if nothing else, uh, and and looking at how our media reacts and responds to these things. When are, when are those reactions tone deaf? Uh, when do they just make everybody bummed out, and sad, and go, Ooh, Why did you make this movie? And when do they accidentally speak to our moment, like when Dan Wayne's Junior's costume involves a surgical mask at the buffet line? Uh, you know, a movie made uh, like a year and a half before theaters shut down. So again, I think I think all that stuff's interesting, and that's, that's what the class would look like. It would just be examining uh the media industry uh, specifically the american tv, TV and film industries uh response and reaction to the pandemic very cool
0: very cool i'm interested in that very much I mean, it's Dalton. not very cool it's a huge bummer but 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 it's but it's interesting yeah. thank you fascinating arthur,
2: arthur what what possibly uh, are you going to bring to this this genius piece of cinema
1: <laughs> no I, I think i would talk about there's some really clever uh uses of uh, s- smash editing and montage editing here Uh, and so I got to thinking about editing in comedy, uh, Mm. and so I think that's what I would talk about, uh, for this, uh, course. A Um, genre
2: that, where it's like maybe as important as anything else, right? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, so I got a couple of videos I'd show I found, uh, on YouTube. One is, uh, called Mel Brooks, how to edit comedy, uh, Mm. from Jack's movie reviews on YouTube. Uh, and then one called timing is everything. The basics of comedy editing from Allison work over on YouTube, um, both of these uh, the Mel Brooks one obviously just kind of takes examples from his work uh, Blazing Saddles Young Frankenstein uh, and um, <laughs> thank you <laughs> I, I, the That's doctor pre- the yeah. doctor appreciates your yeah. pronunciation you. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, it, it just kind of looks some examples there uh, but the timing is everything uh, pulls out a couple different theories incongruity theory about a long se- set up and a subverted expectations and mm. how editing plays into that uh, superiority theory about bad things happening to good people and then Relief, therapy, uh, th- relief Theory, uh, where humor is used in the midst of tension to kind of break up drama or horror or mm. what have you. Uh, so that's the couple things I would show. Those are both like three to five minutes, so it'd be real quick there. I think we'd get into some montage theory, talk Eisenstein. we talk Christian Metz, uh, grammar, of film-type stuff, to talk about the different types of montage and how it is used uh, to create certain effects or moods or feelings or tensions. Uh, because to Dalton's point, I, I think editing is very—I mean—as important in, in comedy as it is a horror, or as it is in suspense or or a thriller. Uh, I mean, a lot of a comedy, you know, timing is everything, and editing plays heavily into that that theory of timing. Hmm. Uh, so that's kind of the academic background I would give to this. I, and I probably find a couple of articles. I was doing some research earlier, and there is a lot out there. Uh, As far as movies though that I would pick from, uh, I think I gotta go with Python and go with the Holy Grail. We've name dropped it a couple of times tonight already, Uh, but I I think uh, a lot of that, especially that incongruity theory, where there's a lot of very long setup. uh, I think of the uh, them storming the castle and there's just that kind of repeated shot of them running before they finally actually hit and that kind of jump Mm -hmm. smash cut where Mm -hmm. they actually go through the gates. I think that's all very good. Uh, I, I think Blazing Saddles is another one. I, I think um, just uh, some of the theories pointed out in the Mel Brooks video uh, to kind of reinforce those. But also I think some of the absurdist stuff there as well and how that is edited into the film and where it kind of starts breaking the sure. fourth wall uh, at the end of that movie. It's Along with to... the Holy Grail. I and mean, that pairs yeah. well with the Holy Grail as well in that regard.
2: I mean, a lot of Mel stuff pairs well with Python and like it's hard yeah. it's hard to not want to talk about Mel, right? Like yeah. How many people were able to do absurdism that was also like deeply political? That's hard. Yeah. I mean it's it's what you should try should try yeah. to do. And I think maybe Barb and Star might now I got finding a politic of this film is gonna be difficult. Yeah. But, but yeah, like but, not yeah. just Blazing Saddles, um History of the World Part One's yeah. a hyper... I mean any the takedown of history is going to be yeah. hyper-political.
1: He attempts to do some capitalism, consumerism stuff with space balls to so varying effect, right? Sure, but sure. that's there. Um, but he's also, you know, he's writer, director, actor, and editor on, on his work. And so but I, he, he was his own editor? I think he was, or it was at least in the room.
2: Wow. Then that makes sense. Yeah. I didn't... Right. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, anyway, uh, so yeah, I got to do Blazing Saddles, I think. Uh, I'd go with Ace and Tudor specifically because I, I love the montage sequence in there when he's trying to figure out who has the rings. Uh, I think it's just a really... Comedic stretch of of montage mm-hmm. work um, That works very well within the, that film uh, Then I want to do a triple feature Of Get Out Us and Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein uh, <laughs> yes. To talk about the use of comedy to disrupt tension I'll um, bring the popcorn Yeah, I, I think In uh, Abbott and Costello, obviously it relies on the, their, their brand of humor, but there are also Those kind of very serious dr- Melodramatic moments of the universal Horror cycle mm. as well And they're kind of mixing and mingling those In a way that works uh, and it's very you know kind of found in the DNA of of us, where you know we have that moment where uh, a murder is taking place, and uh, there's a a bit about Alexa playing a song uh, to kind of break up that tension. Do that it works whole, so well.
2: That whole sequence is so funny in yeah. a way that's like kind of upsetting. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, not yeah, kind of. It is very upsetting. Yeah,
1: but uh, but a lot of that relies on the t- the, the the tension of the editing. And, and so I'd go there, and finally, I think you got to talk about Edgar Wright. You got to talk about the Cornetto trilogy uh, when I think about. Editing and comedy and his use of montage and mundanity, uh, brushing your teeth and shaving and doing the little things every day and the way he hyper stylizes that in this Guy Ritchie manner, Mm. uh, I I think is fascinating and endlessly humorous. Uh, and, And so that's where I probably land the plane is with the Cornetto trilogy and talking about Edgar Wright. Um, but that's, that's where I'd go with this really kind of focusing on that more technical aspect of the editing and how that plays its role in the timing of the comedy of these films.
0: Very cool. Very cool. I like that, um, structural formalist analysis. Dustin,
2: I know that this is not news to Arthur because Arthur kind of keeps up with the trades like I do. Uh, do you know about Jordan Peele's new movie? Do you know about this? No. He's got a new one coming out next year. It's been announced. It's just called Nope. Nope. Mm -hmm. Just so good. (laughs) Such a good title. And Uh, it's a horror movie. I presumably, yeah. yeah it Stephen Young, like Kaluuya, and... Kiki Palmer.
0: Thank you. Oh, I like Kiki Palmer a lot. Well, that, uh, yeah, that's how most horror movies ought to end early, right? Nope, and then yeah. back in the car and we go, right? God, that's such a good title for that's a horror movie. very funny. I like that very much. I
2: re- truly hope he keeps the one-word title going for as long <laughs> as possible. <laughs> I appreciate it. I'm a big fan of one-word I'm into titles. it. Mm-hmm. Dustin. Uh,
0: so, uh, what I want to do, I think, for a class using Barvin Starr... Is I've put together fourteen movies that are trip travel movies.
2: Okay, so I I, I, I steered away from this because I did a road trip thing a while ago. But I'm glad somebody did it. Kind of a
0: history of the world is mostly Western, but you know we'll get some international picks in there uh, for it. But I, I think that would be an interesting way to go at it. So you might start with uh, you know some Clark Gable. And uh, It Happened One Night Would be a good one To start with uh, Looking at Hitchcock In the UK With the 39 Steps uh, Moving on More into the late half Of the 20th century Easy Rider Is a natural pick there New totally. Hollywood And uh, those contexts uh, Chris Marker's Sans Salil Which is a movie I don't know if any of you Have seen uh, Maybe you mm-hmm. have seen it Arthur Is that the Vertigo No Well it's got Vertigo bits In it yeah, yeah Where he it, basically He's traveling all over The world And he's going To these famous Movie locations oh, okay. And thinking about Cinema and its relationship to space... And, obviously, he's traveling mm-hmm. uh, while he does all of that. That is a Chris
2: Marker-ass movie, though, huh? It is a
0: very Chris Marker movie, yes. Somebody could do that
2: again. Somebody should do that again. Right. That sounds very interesting.
0: Uh, moving on to something a little bit more silly, but also very much of its time, the Muppet movie, the very first one. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, which is obviously a road trip movie. Obviously, the newest Muppet movie could be also used for that as well. Well, but also, yeah. now you've got the Kermit connection to Barb and Star, which is very important right, to me. Right, which is very, yes, <laughs> correct. And so, that callback uh, does a it thing just by itself. <laughs> just
2: think about curving little legs. It works so hard. <laughs> Ride that bicycle.
0: <laughs> moving on into the 1980s, Stranger Than Paradise from Jim Jarmusch. Uh, little Tom okay. Waits in there for you. And also Smokey and the Bandit. Uh, another very important film uh, of that time, but it's also silly and kind of funny. It's uh, a live-action cartoon. Right, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, moving on, uh, again, more international, Taste of Cherry, uh, the Iranian film, okay. uh, which is just driving all over Iran like and uh, doing some things there.
2: You, is that... Uh... Far is it a Iranian filmmaker that I would know the name of?
0: You would, and I would if I could think of it. That's okay. We can my brain it up. Is I'll look it up. Doing a thing right now. You
2: keep telling me about the movies. Actually, too be much
0: um, veal stuffed manatee. I'm telling you what, it chokes off the synapses. It, it
2: clogs up the brain
0: blood. Yeah, that and that and the fried baby eagles. <laughs> what was the, what's the name of this uh, Iranian film? Taste of Cherry. Gotcha. Um. Thank you. Uh, moving on to the '90s again. Uh, and Louise, course, obviously an course. important film. Uh, for that. Uh, into the 2000 aughts, Sideways, which is a movie that does not get nearly enough love or analysis. I think, and uh, worth. Who, it's, it's Kirstami. It's Kirstami. which is
2: one of the two running filmmakers like whose name yeah. I know
0: right. when I hear it. Yeah. Like, one of the most famous. Like, my brain was not going to come back with it. Hey, man, we're
2: all, we've are all we been doing this show for a long time. We're all a lot older, and none, none of the wheels are spinning quite as quick as they used to.
0: Um, also, Itumama e Tambien.
2: I had a feeling that would be on your list. Uh, yeah. And
0: Smoke Signals, uh, which mm. is another interesting film with the Native American experience I talk about a lot on the show. It seems like it makes a lot of my list uh, for various reasons. Oh, it's an underseen uh, film. It is a very underseen yeah. film, and I really like it a lot. Um, Barb and Star would come in next, probably. I don't know if I'd do Barb and Star last because it's the 2021. It's the most recent one. But in terms of the time situation, it happens, I guess, before the events of Logan, which would be my last film to select <laughs> there. Uh,
2: That's fun. That's fun. <laughs> I, I, I like that you found a, a – how do we still talk about the, the dominant force in film over the last 20 years and, and do a road movie? Right. I had hoped your road movies would have more three-ways as opposed to just the two.
0: Um, as, well,
2: well, as far as I know, I haven't seen some of those movies.
0: I – no, but I think there's just the two. Is of it just first. the two?
2: It's unfortunate. Yeah. Smoking the bandits, that's a missed opportunity right there. That's... Yeah. <laughs> oh,
0: <God. laughs> Moving on. Well, there you go, dear listener. Your syllabus just got significantly longer. I think it's now time to get down to business.
2: business.
0: Now the time we talk about horses. Yeah, I just suppose we could at this point.
1: <laughs> Stay on topic. Or you'll
2: have to give me your soup. <laughs> oh. And your tea. Now, I am glad you didn't lock the door on me when I wasn't here at six on the dot. I thought about it. I, if I'd, I'd come, gotten to it go first. Go home, Gail!
0: <laughs> like, I'd
2: gotten like, to it first. When I rolled up at 6.02, I was like, I wonder if he's going to let me in. <laughs> that would have been been a good I bit, got though. here early. It would have been an excellent hit. That's Mad fair. I didn't think about it. Yeah, it's too bad. Uh, speaking of bits, uh, we have this problem every time we talk about a comedy on the show. Yeah, we do. Comedies are hard to analyze. Correct. Right. Um, other than the kind of obvious... We almost did do Airplane, uh, as I mentioned And obviously with airplay, any comedy from more than five years ago that you talk about, uh, I mean, Arthur mentioned Ace Ventura, right? Like, if we do that, I don't think we'll ever do that movie just because I don't want to talk about transphobia for 30 minutes. Right. It's going to be sad, and it's, you know, we're just going to be talking about how Hollywood's fucked and marginalizes people of uh, already marginalized genders. But with Barb and Star, like, obviously with some stuff, right? We've already kind of alluded to... Uh, the othering that takes place with the, the villain character. She doesn't have albinism. She, we've got a made-up thing, which right. is the right its the right move.
0: Right. But, and uh, and this, floating uh, but, like a fresh ball of mozzarella is a funny joke. God, it's such a funny line. <laughs> okay, so it's ableist, but there's also a sense in which there is some sort of heteronormative othering as well, because she does seem to be asexual. Interesting. Well, and that's so... That's boom. That's wow. I didn't even think about that. That whole thing
2: with her and Dornan's character, like, first of all, the the bit of them both reading like hyper specific self-help books is very funny. Yes. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know, the film does get at and uh, maybe this will be a good jumping off point, right? It gets at relationships in a really like, I don't know, not interesting, but like true way, right? Like it, it deals with what, a he- what does a healthy relationship look like? What does an unhealthy relationship mm-hmm. look like? In a way that like this absurdist comedy has like no right being this incisive, but it does like take Jamie Dornan's plight very seriously, and she just, just wants to be in a defined relationship, just a defined... which is you know look, there's plenty of guys have been way too weird and uh, way too abrasive and trying to figure out where they stood, myself included at one point in my life probably, um, but it takes that like problem seriously and yet like lets him be like a really thoughtful guy, lets him be like he she's just he just wants to know where he stands, and like he's so he's so charming and cute uh mm-hmm. as a character uh Edgar is just like very endearing, and to let i don't know the central male figure of the movie just be such a forthright standing dude is is nice It's nice of the movie to like just like model good masculinity for the audience. It's nice, yeah, I like it uh it's interesting though i do we we don't ever get confirmation that uh that character's asexual. But uh, that's a
0: very good point, right? Like, There, there are definitely some hints to that direction, it seems. Well, know? is she just evil? Or, yeah, you know. I mean, of course, she just
1: doesn't into, uh, Jamie Dornan.
0: I, 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 I mean, yeah, you know. if, if she, she were do- a straight woman, you would think Jamie Dornan would be fine. I Presumably. Uh, presumably, right? Um, if she were a gay woman, she would probably have found someone, it would seem. And so she just seems to be not interested in that. She's well, more interested in what Edgar can do for her as a spy. Right. Right. And so, but but the, the the again the sort of androgyny of the character is um it's it's, it's a little queer coded yeah yeah sure. I I think so yeah sure
2: uh, that's fair but then again of course like it Barb and Star like definitely do stuff to each other and the movie is fine with it it mm-hmm. is like it's not a big deal it doesn't linger it does have a it was two against one against that table <laughs> so, so, yeah like it's very funny uh oh is it because I spiked your bottom. <laughs> Why? Oh, we yeah. You turns riding me up and down the hall. That's right, like a horse. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, like the the movie like doesn't have any judgment for anybody. Mm -hmm. Uh, It doesn't become like a big a lesser comedy would have the big act two conflict be Barb and Star fighting over jealous, and that's a boring movie that we've seen before. Yeah, Uh, uh, Barb lets him down very gently, and it's very fun. Like, the double date with Edgar, them both sneaking out, Barb to, like, let him down gently, and Star to Seduce him. get a little bit more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so fun. It's maybe my favorite sequence in the movie is, like, the, the back-to-back dates. Right. But, I don't know. The film navigates that I don't know, it, in a, such a better way than it has any right to. And again, we've talked about a lot of 90s comedies already on uh, today, and God, so many of those just, like, with it. With sex and gender, I mean just absolute eh, we don't even need to get into it, but damn, mm-hmm. <laughs> some rough stuff right, um especially if we start talking about specifically like you know marginalized gender identities, marginalized sexuality like there's so much fucking homophobia in nineties comedies right. it's really baffling uh it it truly blows my mind and and for you know a movie that is definitely i i keep i've been using this a lot lately the coaching tree metaphor um for somebody who doesn't watch sports i've been using it probably far too much but I, I think it stands here because this movie definitely feels indebted to a certain type of comedy that again goes way back prior to the 90s but it definitely had like a pretty big heyday i i feel like a couple of decades ago right yeah i mean the ninth roxbury right anchorman and again, films that are either snl uh, branded or SNL adjacent, yep, right. it definitely feels like it exists in that same milieu. And to miss to to dodge so many of the missteps of those films, I think it's, I don't know. It speaks to um, you know, look, they're not perfect. They're just a couple of rich Gen X white ladies, and they they're gonna whiff it sometimes. But it does speak to two comedy writers who care about writing people who act like people, taking them seriously and not you know beating up on their own characters. And I think that's just really nice. Yeah, for sure. I don't know if I have anything more incisive than that, but uh, all the stuff we've alluded to, I think um, the Bechdel cast, uh, the Jamie Loftus, and oh my God, I forgot her co-host's name. Anyway, uh, they did a really good job kind of like talking about this movie recently and getting into some of these you know, thorny issues that uh, the movie doesn't necessarily handle very well, particularly right. like the whiteness and, and the ableism. Um, right. I don't know if there's, I, I feel like we've said all we need to say about it, the three yeah. of us specifically.
0: I mean, there are three persons of color in the film. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the exception of the crab who's voiced by a person of color.
2: Uh, it's not, it's a sound alike.
0: It's, not, uh, it's, it's not, not it's not real Morgan Freeman. No, and oh, I don't know too I'm bad.
2: Not aware of the ethnic background of it. it's it's a guy that's famous for, for having like really spot on impressions. I think it's one guy. I'm not I don't I don't know. Okay. Well So let's just go ahead and say there's two. There's and one of them is being <laughs> well a child being shoved into like a pretty outdated stereotype.
0: Which is pretty bad. Then we got Damon Wayne's Jr. who's obviously a villain as well. It has nothing to do. And then um He's good with what little has, but and then Tommy Bahama who serves as kind of a magical minority. Yeah, is he, I mean Andy, is Andy Garcia? I think he's just Italian. I don't know, but he but he's definitely doing a real kind of cubano kind of accent, sure, sure, you sure, know. Sure. And so he definitely he's definitely coding himself very Well, it seems like the, I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, the shamanistic 60s um, spiritual figures uh, Carlos Castaneda. No, but, but I mean I'm aware of all, you know. Yeah. It was the 60s, everybody was a shaman, right? Right, and and there's a lot of that kind of going on with that particular portrayal there. And so that's a magical minority. Not Morgan Freeman is a magical minority. He's Cuban. He is Cuban. He is Cuban. Well, well, he sounded Cuban, so there you go.
2: I mean, uh, Garcia makes sense. Look, he's been... Play, he's been forced played Italian a lot. Yeah, for uh, sure. It's it, and you know what? It's only fair that Cuban should be getting to steal Italians' <laughs> Yeah, looking at you, you know, Pacino. Yeah, hey, Pacino knew. <laughs> no, well, oh yeah, he knew. He knew. Oh well, the turntables. Al's a regular listener to the show, and he knows my problems with them They're well established. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> but uh, I mean, so it is overwhelmingly white, and then the the few times we do have uh, people of color. Uh, they are in either villain roles or in helping white people get their goals roles, you know. So th- I mean, it does that, but it doesn't linger there, and it's not. I don't know. There's there's a way in which I it's find aware that, of the tropes, right? I I find that less offensive than say, well, Morgan Freeman in um uh, the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, sure. Right. Sure. You sure. know. I mean, where where clearly like the whole plot kind of hinges on that particular or your yeah. John Co- I mean pick off Stephen King I guess John Coffey in uh, The Green Mile mm-hmm. right Mother Abigail on the stand Mother Abigail yeah, yeah. wow we really are throwing Stephen under the man, bus man sorry huh? Steve uh, well, you gotta think about that a little bit better pal uh, uh, he, I mean he's old as shit yeah yeah he come from a time and a place but this movie is no from excuse, 2021 but, bingo
2: and yeah. and again like I, I think we've acknowledged that the, the film seems to be aware like when it makes these jokes it, it knows that it's like playing in, in the kind of an outdated space mm-hmm. I think it's trying to work with that, I don't know, your mileage is going to vary.
0: Yeah, but I, I do say that the Morgan Freeman bit did feel like Keanu Reeves showing up in the SpongeBob movie.
2: Or uh, or well, not even, like, saying it like Keanu showing up in Keanu is not fair, because mm-hmm. he had to show up in Keanu. Right. Uh, but yeah, it. I don't know. F- Morgan Freeman being a punchline is some March of the Penguins stuff mm-hmm. to me, right? Like that, And that's a 15-year-old movie at this point. Which again, I think the bit works. It's I think funny. it's very funny that he's like, it, it starts when the bit starts, I'm not on board. And by the end, he's like, well, time for me to die. <laughs> and like, reveals that he probably is actually Morgan Freeman. That's funny. The idea that Morgan Freeman is an immortal crab—that's good. It's a good. Bit. That's yeah. com- That's what comedy looks like. Right. I'm sorry, uh, but yeah, it's, it's
0: thorny. Yep. But he doesn't do the voice. No, we talked
2: about that. Dude, you, okay. you just I know you just got up for a sec.
0: Uh, yeah, I ran away. It is a white dude. I knew it. But uh, there, there's a way in which the movie does pick up some goodwill from me. Okay. And, and I, I don't know if that's my whiteness coming into this mm-hmm. at all, but it, it does in some ways because we are using a child actor for uh, our one Asian character, and, you know, that kid's getting a great opportunity. I, I don't know what I'm thinking. You know, I'm like, I'm conflicted. Man, I have so many issues with child performers, too. Like, yeah.
2: especially knowing what has happened right. historically to a lot of child performers, but he's great he's so fucking good in this movie, too though, right? right. Like that is a good comedic performance. like actors' age, yeah, n- not relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you know, I mean, is, is the movie racist for implying the villains a racist for stealing a child uh, and and making him be odd job, right? I don't know, man. And I, I don't know either. I don't, yeah, I'm, I'm never going to be able to answer that question for anybody. Well, and
0: that, that's one of those things I think where comedy, where we talk about the thinness of comedy for analysis purposes. That comedy being so light, mm. that it does, you know, flirt at the edges of something that would be much more thoroughly problematic. Well, right. yeah,
2: I mean, that is... Eh. At its best, it's something comedy can do for us, right? Mm-hmm. It helps us get past these barriers that we have with each other uh, on an individual level, right? It helps us kind of acknowledge that we all have an innate humanity, which means we all like to laugh. Mm-hmm. And mostly we like laughing at farts and butts mm-hmm. and dicks and boobs because they're funny. And those things will always be funny. Uh, and that sort of stuff is like uh, transcends time, space, and culture. Right. And you're right, like some of those issues can get thorny and. At its best, comedy can help us navigate them. Eh, But, you know, who's doing the navigating is kind of important. Right. Right. Um, I guess we could talk about Josh Greenbaum directed this movie. It's weird that they had a guy direct it. I don't know if that was a call that they got to make as the writers. You, You know, as big a hit as Bridesmaids was, surely, like, they had a little bit of that blank check type clap. You know what I mean? You would think that they were able to call their shots. He's great, uh, you know. Yeah, not he did a, great, did a I, fine I, job. Yeah. He equips himself fine. I think he like lets them be the boss. It seems like he's on board with their vision. Uh, and you know, Arthur kind of alluded to this a couple times. The movie is well directed from a comedic standpoint. Like there, there, it's it finds funny ways to frame things. Um, uh, one specifically we talked about off air is, uh, <laughs> during Edgar's prayer. Uh, there's just like a, a shot of seagulls. It's really good. And it kind of like tilt pans up, does a little tilt pan to reveal Edgar, like praying at the seagulls.
0: It's good. It's, it's very funny. It's very
2: good. Um, uh, we talked about the Shania Twain bit at the very beginning where they're doing kind of this, just like this very mild mannered at, uh, I mean, dance middle-aged yeah. woman dancing. Yeah. That's just mm-hmm as precious as could possibly be Mm -hmm. uh so i don't know i you know it's it's worth mentioning but i don't have anything to say about it yeah um because it it feels like he's on board with what they're doing right like it doesn't feel like the direction is uh it always feels in service to the writing i guess is what i'm looking for um do we uh, do we want to talk about going on vacation i think this film was shot in mexico so you know uh as opposed to florida so i don't know Every place you go on vacation in America is stolen. Every place you live in America is stolen. It's important to remember that. I right. don't know that I'm going to say anything groundbreaking today about it, though. Yeah,
1: it was filmed. It was supposed to be filmed in Atlanta, but they moved it to Cancun and Albuquerque in response to Georgia House Bill 481. Hmm. Oh, Makes well, sense. Good on so, them.
2: Are there beach resorts in Georgia? I guess. I mean, they're on the coast. They're so on the coast. Presumably. There
0: are very few beaches in Albuquerque.
2: Yeah, I don't know what they shot there.
0: Well, desert. I mean, sand. Sure. Water pools. Right? Sure, 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 I mean, you could definitely do a, a yeah. you know, some selective shot. Sorry,
2: I just started thinking about Barb uh, playing the in, drum. In running the Nebraska across? stuff
0: could have been
1: shot in New Mexico.
2: Okay, right? right, for mean. sure. That makes sense. It's I'm just thinking that what, is a
0: George Strait song about oceanfront property in Arizona yeah. or something like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. So that joke's running in my mm-hmm. head now. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, and that's, I, I kind of spaced out thinking about Annie Mummelo running across the coals, jumping on the moped, kickstarting it, and flicking a, a blunt as <laughs> she's jumping. <laughs> Is pumping her uh, yeah. her armpit hair and yeah jumping over a canyon, God, what a great sequence of images! <laughs> right, this movie does Good make montage.
0: an interesting pair to uh, City Slickers about midlife and okay, yeah, those yeah. kinds of things. You know, well,
2: and everybody's kind of got the same considerations, right? And like, obviously, the boxes that people puts uh, the boxes society puts people in according to their their genders, design to birth, and shit, like, is going to influence your experience of middle agedness. But at the end of the day, it, it does come down to, like, feeling like you've, you've lost your joie de vivre, right? You've lost the shimmer. You've got to go get your groove back. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, they do make a very good Stella Got a Groove Back uh, right. joke in this. Um, but, yeah, I, I think, I don't know. I'm I'm curious about the the cross-culturalness of that experience, right? Like, we've got a lot of American films about that. I guess there's international films about this, too, though. I mean, that's basically all the trip movies are about Steve Coogan and his buddy feeling old. Mm-hmm. Um, Arthur's seen all of them and is shaking his head. You haven't seen all of them? I haven't seen any of them. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know. It seems like they would It seems like a thing them. we might be watching. Right? Yeah. I know. Uh, I've seen clips, so yeah, I haven't seen. But what I my understanding is it's kind of a big focus of those. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think of other things though that are not, you know, kind of sort of outside of a North American milieu.
0: Right. Uh, what is the Isabel Hooper movie? Uh, things left unsaid. Things it's got things in the title, mm, okay. but she's got kind of a middle age crisis kind of thing where she loses her job and she her husband leaves her and gotcha. her kids are terrible and, uh, I, yeah, Arthur is pulling up the. Uh, the That's Doom a recent Flush. one, isn't it? It's it, Well, it's in the 2000 odds. It's before she did L. Okay. So, right, you know, right. Things that. to come? Things to come. That's it. Gotcha. You I know. think I'm
2: thinking of a different movie that might have Julianne Moore in it. Best oh, Gloria French. Bell. Thank you. Yes. This is an
1: American remake, right?
2: Yes. I think I'm thinking of the original. There's a, but there's a, I guess, I can't pull any titles right now, but I guess there are a couple of films from the last few years, but they all are sort of, you know, Western pseudo democracy mm-hmm. culture saying. Oh man, doesn't it suck to be rich and realize you're going to die imminently? It right. doesn't it suck to realize you might get a cancer diagnosis any second? Like, well, yeah, it's nice to be able to have have a mortgage, though. Congrats, right? So it's it is sort of you're right. It's it's interesting in contrast to city slickers. I, I guess Barb and Star being unemployed is you know kind of puts them in stark contrast right. to uh,
0: their peers. Yeah, their wealth oh. doesn't quite make sense. You know, if they're sales reps at a furniture. Well, I was severance gonna say, I, I doubt they have well, yeah, severance package. Yeah, right? no. yeah, they went on yeah. vacation on their severance yeah. package. Yeah. 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 yeah, okay, well, okay, so it came into some money. That's yes. not quite the same thing, Because their
1: original hotel is probably only twenty bucks a night. Oh yeah, yeah. that's
2: a that's a no tell motel, buddy. You know yeah, sheets. God, I
0: love that guy. No i feel he's though, been okay? a
2: lot of stuff too. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. but no, Yeah. The No Pillowcases is so good.
0: No pillows. But, but okay. not nearly the wealth of Billy Crystal and crew from oh, yeah, City exactly. Slickers, for sure. I mean, and that
2: is yeah. a movie about just like being rich, letting you go play cowboy for right. a month. But right? Yeah. 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 And this definitely is, you know, less concerned with those things, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's, again, it doesn't take place in the real world, deliberately so. Correct. Right. Obviously, City Slickers doesn't either, but it, it certainly pantomimes towards the real world. And this is like, they have a Burton Ernie setup, man. They have they have the same bed. It mm-hmm. rules. It is funny. I don't know what you want from me. Uh, I I just want to talk more about how it's cool that uh, they both nailed Jamie Dornan, and and that I think is a movie that middle aged women everywhere deserved. <laughs> <laughs> Correct uh, is one in which somebody about the same age as them gets to crush the dude from uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. Good for them, I say. Um, I don't know. Do we have anything else to say about the movie? It's relationship stuff is good. We've already kind of talked about that. Mm-hmm. Uh 2021's a weird year for movies. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. I don't know what you want from us, listener. Yeah, it's it, well, it's a, it's pretty fantastic.
0: So, well, You I should think, watch it. I think that is enough said at this point then. So let's go ahead and render a verdict. Shelf or trash with uh, Barb and Star? What do you say, Arthur? I will say shelf
1: it. I, I actually almost picked this up before it went on Hulu. Because uh, I was just really curious to see it, uh, and, and I think it is uh, like I uh, like into Pop Star. I think it's in that same realm of cult comedy, modern cult comedy, and so uh, I would gladly put it on my shelf, especially if it comes out in a nice uh, Shout Factory Steelbook edition.
0: Oh, well, there you go. Oh, what do you man. say, Dalton? Yeah, if you get a
2: Steelbook of that, like Lisa Frank uh, poster, oof. Yeah, I'd buy that. Yeah. This oh, this is a shelfable movie. Sorry, I was still thinking about what Arthur said. Yeah, this movie's very good and hopefully in twenty years, um, I'll have seen it enough that I'll have something like more insightful to say about it. Uh but sitting here like six months out from its release, I just really like it a lot, man. It's good. It it yeah, it's got its, you know, missteps we've talked about, but it's got as many like, I don't know, I think really heartfelt moments. Like it this is a movie that cares about people, and I like that. I like it when movies are nice to their characters. Uh, five out of five, would do again.
0: All right, very good, very good. I'm put in the same place I've put uh, movies like Tommy Boy, Ace Ventura, Monty Python, The Holy Grail. I watch them all the time when they're on, but I don't buy them, and I don't think I'd buy this one either. I mean, it's it's great. I mean, I like it a lot, and I like those movies a lot, but it's not one I would own. That's fair. Personally, but that's I'm not trying to disparage. It's, no. it's, it's the gentlest of trashing, sure, sure, sure. uh for that. And so. we've been gently
2: trashing a lot of things lately. Yeah, yeah. we
0: have. So uh, there you go, dear listener. Those are our thoughts. Um, if you have thoughts, you can share them with us. Arthur, tell them how. Uh, yeah, you can find us on social media
1: on Twitter at Good Trash Media. Uh, we, uh, are probably most active there. I haven't been on Twitter in a while since I uh, transitioned between jobs, actually.
2: Staying off social media, uh, self-care. Yeah,
1: uh, it's weird. Um, anyway, uh, but yeah, we, uh, we typically will post, uh, retweet movie articles, uh, funny things we find, think pieces that are interesting. Uh, we also share content from friends of the show, such as The Praise Down and Will of Randy. Uh, if Twilight ever get back into action, uh, we'll be sharing their content as well. Uh, so, uh, follow us there, uh, but after you follow us, you can leave uh, Twitter. That's fine. <laughs> uh, we are sometimes on Facebook, uh, Good Trash Media. You can email us long form contact, Good Trash Genrecast at gmail.com. Uh, and yeah, hit us up. Let us know uh, uh, were we completely wrong about Barbara Star go to Vista Del Mar? Should we visit Vista Del Mar? Are you from the tourism branch of Florida?
2: Let us know. Send us. We'll go. I'll go to Florida for free. That's yeah. the only way you're ever going to get me in that state. But I'll, I want to go to
1: the Palm Vista Hotel, not motel. I will fight I evil like mosquitoes.
2: Pillows.
0: I mean, you will. We, we've been just, fighting them anyway. Just to go, right. <laughs> I mean, they're big enough to carry away your little sister here. So I want
2: to um, get on that banana boat, man. I hear it's a real tit flapper.
0: It was. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, that's that. Arthur, are we going to do another show? Uh, yeah, I think we are. Okay. You want to do one
2: more? Let's do one more. You're not gonna, we're not going to have to do a comedy again, are we?
1: Comedy adjacent, maybe, but it'll have a, a different approach. Does it have capital T themes for us to play with? Probably, yes. Oh, good. <laughs> we're actually going to do something of kind of a mini marathon, but I'm not going to tell you what the uh, the Ooh. theme is. Are you, are you, so you're going to... These are all spiritually related films, though.
2: And we have to figure out what marathon we're in by the end of the marathon. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay, so oh, Arthur is... You, gonna you pick, pick the
1: card, card. Oh, it's uh, all but all I, I'll reveal the title. Two,
2: three, Are there four or three?
1: There's There's three.
2: I'm going with the middle one. Okay, let's see what we're
1: let's see what we're watching. What's kicking this thing off next week? Ladies and gentlemen. Next week. Jeez. We talk about <laughs> Yes. The hypothetical end of an icon. Yes. The final film of a goat. Uh mm. Next week we're watching Paul Thomas Anderson's The Phantom Thread
2: Whoa, Whoa Alright well, then Well that's a movie You might talk about In a film studies course Huh Maybe Maybe uh, I've never gotten around To this movie Same I'm pretty excited about it well, There you go uh, I look forward to saying Woodcock a lot next week
0: That checks out um, Needle and thread Needle and thread So You keep watching We'll keep talking We'll see you all next time <laughs>